Ephesians 1, 6, and I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion in the day of Jesus Christ. Think about the hope that we have in Christ and how that spreads through all that we do in the church, how it spreads through all of the scriptures, and it, it anchors us back to the central focus, the central point of being in relationship with Christ. You know, we live in a day when um, celebrities seem to have more to do than just to entertain us. They, they, they want to shape our perspective, and, and they, they, they want to teach us, and they, they want to help us along our life's journey. And they come to us in various ways. And, and as we think about this text, I think that we can see some competition there between what Paul is saying to the Philippians and maybe what we experience when we encounter people on the screen because that's the way they often come to us here in our day, whether that's going to the movies and watching a movie on a big screen and we get the message behind the film and, and then we are able to watch interviews over the internet and different shows and things like that where they talk about what they were trying to accomplish through that film or maybe it's through your Netflix or your Hulu that you watch those movies. And so, so through movies, the, the, the worldview comes to us not just of what was said in a, in a movie, but why it was said in that way and how that shapes out into somebody's life and how it should guide our lives. We, we, we have um, in our home, one of our children in particular, it's a constant battle. Um, he is a YouTube-aholic, and um, he, he is addicted to all of these channels where they do all these goofy challenges and, and all. I mean, he wants... He's got a sweatshirt that says Mr. Beast, and I have to work hard to know what Mr. Beast really is. And Mr. Beast is this crazy guy on the internet who, who does all these goofy challenges. And, and so I'm, I'm constantly having to be researching who are these YouTube personalities that are trying to pull him in and monitor and, and, and come alongside there to look at that. But, but they're, they're not doing it just, you know, to get on America's Funniest home videos and win $100,000, that they're, they're doing it for the sake of shaping the culture, of trying to speak to and influence um, minds and those who will watch. And then there are some of us who are guilty that, that as we come to the screen, the celebrity speaks to us after they've scored the game-winning touchdown, or maybe the coach who shares the credit at the end when they win the trophy or win the game. And, and so we're, we're looking at sports and we're looking at athletics and and, and if, if somebody says one Christian word at the end of a ball game, then we put them on our Facebook page and we praise Jesus for being with the Crimson Tide this week or, you know, I mean, what, whatever it is, because the coach said the word Jesus at the end of the victory speech. And you, you get my point. I'm not necessarily questioning the faith of those who, who would talk about their Christianity, but I am saying that that, that it's an active, ongoing pursuit and battle to shape your worldview. And this is not anything new. This has been going on ever since people had a worldview, which was all the way back in the Garden of Eden. And so this has been happening consistently. The, the method that it was shared and shaped changes perhaps, but, but the fact that, that this is happening does not change. And so as we look at this text in Philippians, we want to be mindful of this because as Paul is communicating to us, it seems to me that he would be saying to Christians that you ought to be looking to Christ, not just to your Christian principles or Christian ethics, 
but, but to Christ himself. And, and we learn about him through his word. And so we're coming to the scriptures to understand who God is and what he wants in this world and how that shapes and impacts our lives, how it, how it intersects with our lives. And then, then he's pointing us to one another to understand that, that we don't do this by ourselves, that, that we are to be leaning on each other in this. And I think we'll see all those things in this text. And so in Philippians chapter 1, if you'll read along with me, we're at verse 27. Paul writes this, Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind striving side by side for the faith of the gospel, and not frightened in anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation, and that from God. For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake, engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had, and now hear that I still have. And so as we look at this text, you, you need to understand the context that Paul is in a Roman jail, that he is in a battle for his life, that to stop this battle, all he has to do is to recant his faith. If he would simply say, Caesar is Lord, and step away from Christianity, then the, the Romans would turn him loose, and he'd be free from, from this persecution. He'd be free from this potential death sentence that hangs over his head. And so here he's calling the Philippian Christians who are in a church in a city where he was 12 years earlier helping them start and plant this church as they come to faith. And now he's hearing that there are those who are coming in from the outside who are trying to persuade them to walk away from Christ, that they are trying to persuade them that, that Jesus is not who he says he is that their faith is useless and in vain and they should forsake Christ. And Paul is coming alongside saying, I'm suffering. Let that be an example. Let that be a witness to you of what I believe, of, of the strength of my faith and encourage you to be willing to suffer. And even in your suffering, still engage those who are persecuting you, who are pressing down on you, and do this together. That's ultimately what he's saying here in this text. And so I told you earlier, I warned you we were going to get wild and crazy, right? Pulling out those smartphones. See, some of you have held on to that pretty well. So here, here we go. We're going to do it again right here, right? If, if you would go to the church's webpage, eastwoodbc.org, you would see on the home page there, that, that, that for those of you who don't know that, that's the very first page you come to, that this statement, the church's mission statement, and, and for those of you who are not tech savvy and you're not there right now, I've got it in black and white, so I'll just read it for you right here, right? This old thing we call paper, okay? So the church's mission statement is this. At Eastwood Baptist Church, our mission is to develop relationships to impact people with biblical answers to life's challenges, kind of 
multi-layered there, so let me give it to you one more time. At Eastwood Baptist Church, our mission is to develop relationships to impact people with biblical answers to life's challenges. As I think about Philippians chapter 1, verses 1 through 28, I hear a lot of that in this mission statement, in what Paul is doing and what he's calling the Philippian Christians to be doing. And it's what we as a church family have agreed together to pursue and to accomplish for the glory of God. And so, so let, let's just think about that for a minute. First of all, our mission. Not our social organization. Not our club. Not our network of friends. Not our community involvement organization, I mean, whatever you want to say there, our mission, we together as a church on a mission. There's a purpose. There's an action. There's a pursuit. There's a quest. There is a journey ahead. We together are pursuing something. Our mission is to develop relationships to impact people. We care about people. The church is about people because people are created in the image of God. Because God values people. Because God loves people. We love people. We don't necessarily love, in that sense, buildings. We don't love initiatives. We don't even love mission statements. We love people. But we use mission statements and we use buildings and we use initiatives to develop relationships with people. We use what we do every day. We use the street we live on. We use the cubicle that we sit in. We use the school bus that we ride on to help develop relationships to impact people. But we're not impacting them so that they'll buy Tupperware from us, right? For those of you who know what that is. Or Girl Scout cookies, or smart cards, you know, the, a gator card, or a dragon card, or a whatever card to save you 10% at Culver's. We're not just impacting them for that. We're impacting them for the sake of the gospel, with biblical answers. Our mission is to develop relationships to impact people with biblical answers, because our convictions are formed and they rest in the truth of God's Word. Amen. That is not just a book that they study in academia. It is the Word of God, as my children would say, literally spoken given to us the only way that we know who God is and what he desires through the creation and for the creation of his world is because he told us. I can look at the stars and speculate some things, but I don't know the specifics. Here I learn specifics of what God desires. And so we develop relationships 
to impact people because we have been and are being changed with the truth of God's word as he works in us through his spirit because of the power of the gospel. And we understand that these biblical answers are not just common sense. They are supernatural because we are sinful, fallen people. And, and so often our logic is messed up because my, my logic does not lead me to say what is the best way for me to honor God. What is the best way for me to serve my neighbor? My logic, most often left to itself, leads me to say what's in it for me. What supernatural says God has created me for his glory, for his purpose. And so the way I look at a situation changes. And so I am on a mission. You are on a mission. We as a church family are on a mission together to impact the people of Bowling Green, Warren County, your neighborhood, with biblical answers to life's challenges. You know, I think the favorite verse of all that we've sung this morning was the lines, who speaks order into the chaos? Hello? You ever been to 2793 Brassfield Circle, Shelbyville, Kentucky? We need Jesus to speak some order into the chaos. And so, as we think about this, life's challenges, that's my house, that's not my neighbor's house. I don't know, sometimes all the challenges I can handle are going on right inside of my door, right? Life's challenges, the truth we find in God's Word, being practical, helping us. To me, I hear that exact, exactly the mission statement of Eastwood Baptist Church. I hear it right here in this text. And so let's think about this text. Let's take these, these phrases together. That, that I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with, with one mind striving side by side for the faith of the gospel, not frightened in anything by your opponents. For it has been granted to you for the sake of Christ that you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake. So the first thing that, that we see here in this text is that disciples of Jesus must firmly believe their faith. Disciples of Jesus must firmly believe their faith. He said that we stand firm in one spirit. That's a small s spirit, so it's not the Holy Spirit. We stand Firm, deep in our convictions, we stand together, united together. That, that's what that small s spirit is there. It's, you know, like we talk about the, 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 the American spirit or the, 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 the pride of WKU. I mean, you know, we, that, that, that's the bringing it together. It's, it's that unifying. And so here Paul is using that in the sense that we stand firm in the convictions of our faith unified together but 
but I want you to be careful here because as we think about standing firm in the faith, we certainly do believe that Paul would say in our beliefs, in the principles, in, in the tenets of our faith, in what you can know about God, about what you can know about humanity, about what you can know concerning Christ and of sin and how we are made right with God through Christ, through the forgiveness of our sins, the gospel, all of those things that, that can become sort of academic. He, he means that. But at the same time, we can't detach Philippians chapter 1, verses 27 through 30 with Philippians 1, 1 through 26. We have to hold that whole thought. And sometimes that's a challenge because y'all won't stick around for three hours to let me do the whole Philippians 1 in one bite. And so we have to break it into these bites over weeks. And you begin to forget that it's all connected together, right? And so when Paul talks about his faith, his assurance... He's not just talking about a system of belief. The foundation is Christ. It is a person. It's a, not, not a book, not a philosophy, not a teaching. It is Jesus himself. I mean, we heard that all throughout. I mean, I read that to you a moment ago. And I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. He, Jesus, who began a good work in you. And so, so as I think about it, I'm, I'm turning to Christ. Help me accomplish what you would have me accomplish. Set me in right relationship with you. Forgive me of our, my sins. The first time, and then the one that I committed last. Purifying me, drawing me near, helping me, strengthening me, guiding me, forgiving me, directing me every step. Growing me in my understanding, growing me in my dependence on you. And so disciples of Jesus must firmly believe their faith. Which would ultimately mean disciples of Jesus must firmly depend on Jesus. Firmly turning to Jesus. Not primarily to the church, but to Christ. Now that may sound strange for a preacher to say, because what's the preacher want you to do? Go to church. But if you just go to church, if your faith is just that you go to church, your faith will not last. You know why? Because these people around you are messed up. They may not look like it. They may not even admit it to you. But they are. And do you know how I know that? Because the one who is preaching to you right now is the most messed up one in the room. Is the most selfish. I mean, how is it that, that we think... In one moment, I would, I would sacrifice my life for this woman. I would sacrifice my life for these children. And two seconds later, you're thinking, why are you breathing my air? Why are you still in my space? I mean, the moment, the most humble servant in the world. The next second, you're trespassing in my house. 
back and forth between selfishness and, and dealing with that sin and, and, and the, the struggle here and there. And so, so if, you're, if you're looking to a pastor, if you're looking to a Sunday school or a Bible study leader, if you're looking to others as the person to look to, you are going to be disappointed. And when we see these celebrities who are deconstructing their faith, most often what I hear from them is how this in the church and that in the church and these cliches and these statements that honestly, for their sake, have been passed out like sugar candy. That's what's dissolved away for them. I haven't heard many of them say, you know, I finally come to the realization that Jesus Christ is a liar. They don't say that kind of stuff. Just the opposite. C.S. Lewis, who was an, a longtime atheist, came to the point in his own search out of atheism to the Christian faith, his study of the scriptures, the work of God in his life, brought him to the point where he would say, I came to the point that Jesus was either the savior of the world or a poached egg, meaning he was a lunatic. Because that's what he claims to be. He is either the God-man who is the remedy for sin. Or this is all false. And it is just a social club. And it's even worse than a social club because a social club is at least honest enough to tell you this is just a social club. We're making you think that, that you can depend on this when you die. The church membership is important. Attendance is important. Being in a Bible study is important. And I want to talk about those things in just a minute. But in your last fleeting final breath, the only reason that you will know that you have peace with God is because of Jesus Christ. And our ultimate purpose in life is fulfilled in our identity in Him not in a membership in a church. Paul is anchored to Jesus. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. I would rather go be with him. Paul loved Jesus. And he wanted to be with Jesus. And if he was separated from Jesus here on planet earth, he wanted to be doing what Jesus had called him to do. As a human being, faithful, obedient. And so, how do we know that? Well, one way that, that we believe that, that we become firmly rooted in our faith is, is in what we're doing right now. It's that, that we gather together for the mission. If we together are on a mission, if we're not gathering together on a regular basis... then how do we know the mission? And so we do. We gather together. 
And we hear from God's word and we're reminded that this is the mission that we have together to grow in our faith, to go out and to share the gospel. And and in doing those things, we glorify God. It, It is our spiritual act of worship. And so we come and we gather and we sing and we pray and we give and we're challenged by the word so that we can go out from this place to be missionaries here to reach Bowling Green, Warren County, Kentucky, and to the uttermost parts of the world. And then we have the opportunity to come together in smaller groups, in Bible study groups. So that if you have a specific thing going on in your life, if you're caring for your aging parents, you can learn how to do that in ways that honor God, that find strength from Him in that. If you're raising toddlers in a a group where people can learn and can grow and can help one another there. If you're just entering into college or just coming out of college, you're in a group there where you can help each other there. If you are right in the middle of the midlife crisis, we got a group for you where you can help each other to walk through that. And it's not just therapy, it's, it's helping one another turn to Christ. Firmly believing, holding on to Christ through that. But then I'd encourage you to do it individually as well. And so the church is here for you to gather together with other believers in a large group, in a small group setting, but then out out in your everyday life to be growing and to be thinking. This is the age, so on one hand, the screen can be the, the devil in your house. But on the other hand, the screen can be a window to heaven. I mean, what a wonderful age we live in. Can you imagine if the Apostle Paul had a YouTube channel sitting in that Roman jail? I would love to see some YouTube videos from the Apostle Paul. Just flip your iPhone around there and just start talking, brother. I want to hear it. But we have the opportunity to have wonderful Bible teachers, preachers, Disciple makers from all over the world come and talk to me in my living room every night. Sometimes they sneak into my cubicle at work. And so who are some of those people? Let me give you just a few that that I would point you to that that are really helpful. One is um, if you're a reader, so this is if you're a reader, uh, Donald Whitney. He's wonderful at spiritual disciplines. If you want to know how to read your Bible, how to pray, Donald Whitney can help you. He's a professor at Southern Seminary. Jerry Bridges worked for a long time with the Navigators. He he is wonderful in, in helping people grow in their holiness, grow in purity, grow in their Christ likeness. Jerry Bridges is wonderful. If if you love and you want to keep up with news and current events. A printed option for you might be something like World Magazine, where they take the culture around us and they bring that to us through a biblical worldview. World Magazine. If, if you're a podcast listener, I would encourage you to find Dr. Moeller's The Briefing, put out every single day. Albert Moeller, the president at Southern Seminary, produces commentary on current events in about 20 to 25 minutes that you can listen to while you brush your teeth every morning. And it helps you to shape what you're thinking about and what you'll talk about, what you'll hear in the news throughout the day. 
An online news source I've been told is pretty awesome. It's called Kentucky Today. Produced by your Kentucky Baptist Convention. And I might know some people who have something to do with that. (laughs) Where we try to cover what's happening here in Kentucky. And to help you think through that. I mean, where is your opinion and your your thought process on medical marijuana? Where is it on sports wagering? Where where, where is it on pro-life issues, on the foster care issues that that are here in Kentucky? And and, and how are you gauging that and thinking through that? We, We try to bring you stories on those issues and more through a biblical perspective. And so learning and growing in those ways that ultimately our hope is that they will point you back to Christ, that, you will, that they will point you to his word. The second thing there in your notes, and we're going to hustle through these next three, is that disciples of Jesus must engage others who don't believe. And so, so it's wonderful for you to come and you to hear a preacher. It's wonderful for you to go and to be a part of a Bible study. It's wonderful for you to listen to podcasts and watch videos. But if you don't do anything else with that, then, then you're, not, you're just not doing what the Bible's told us to do. This is not so that it ends with you. It's so that it passes through to other people. Paul said here in this text that with one mind striving side, to, side by side, that our minds are being renewed by Christ, we're being anchored to Christ, and we're striving together. There is a forward momentum, there's action, there's, there's life, there is a mission to be accomplished, and that is to speak, it's to share truth. And so as we do that, here he talks next about how we should do that. He says, not frightened in anything by your opponents. So disciples of Jesus must engage courageously and graciously. Not frightened by anything not frightened in anything by your opponents. Not, not frightened because that's a tough question. And you worry that they're going to stump you or shut you down. Listen, saying, I don't know, but I will find the answer to that. Or I will go find someone who does know the answer to that. Should be an acceptable answer. But you need to follow up on that. And the reason that, that we do that is that our mindset here, even as we have hard conversations with people, is that we're not trying to win the argument. We're trying to win a friend to Jesus. Right? I'm not trying to be the smartest person in the room because I've already failed at that if that's going to happen. Right? Hey, why are you all laughing? Um, but it, it is to win people to Christ. And so I need to be humble and I need to be gracious and I need to be kind in the way that, that I share. Not as someone who can strut around the office because really, you know, what they're saying is don't talk to that guy. He's a jerk. You think you're the smartest person there and they won't ask you any questions because they know how smart you are. They're actually just saying you're a jerk and we don't want to talk to you anymore. And so as Christians, we enter into this dialogue graciously but we enter in even when it's hard even when it's difficult even when it's challenging we enter in and that's going to require some work but again that's because we're on a mission if we weren't on a mission then we wouldn't have anything to do we we would just be on the good ship lollipop sailing off to heaven 
But that's not what we've been called to do. We've been called to be on a mission. And ultimately, why why is this mission so important? It's because the, the message of the mission is so important. Listen to the way that, at least in the ESV, it's translated there in verse um, 29. For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him. Sounds good so far. It's been granted. Third party, granted for you to believe in Christ. What a gift. Not only to believe in Christ, but also suffer for his sake. Suffer for his sake. Because the reality is that there is a devil in this world. There is an evil one in this world who is at work to tear down and to distract from the glory of God. And what makes that even worse is that sometimes I act like I'm on his team. Because there is still sin in me that Christ is forgiving, that he is changing, that he is transforming Because though he has forgiven me of my sin, my sinful nature is still present in me now. It won't be always and forever. When Christ comes again, we will be changed. But for today, I still struggle. And so the reality is, That there is opposition to this good news that we possess in Christ. There are differing viewpoints. Some of them are just out of indifference and ignorance. But some of them want to kick Jesus Christ off of his throne and throw his crown on the ground and stomp it into a million pieces. And they play hard. And so we are called to be willing to suffer. Why would we suffer? Let me give you a silly example of why we would be willing to suffer. So on the second, Monica and I had this grand vision that that we would go on some kind of a little trip around our anniversary, you know, kind of a junior honeymoon. And then there weren't any kids, and we just went to Cracker Barrel And then there were more kids, and we just did our best to get each other a card, (laughs) right? (laughs) But on our second second honeymoon, that sounds kind of weird. On our second anniversary, um, we went to Baltimore, Maryland, and we were going to drive out and do little day trips. And that was um, 1998. And in 1998, they, they released the most wonderful shoe that Nike has ever made. It was called the Air Jordan 4. Um, It was originally released in 1989. It's the most magnificent shoe that Michael Jordan ever wore. And um, I had a couple of pairs of the originals. And here on 
our second honeymoon, I thought that it was worth taking my wife of two years to a mall in Baltimore, Maryland, where I had tracked down the morning they would release the retro version of Air Jordan 4. And I know what you're thinking. Yes, we got there very early before the mall opened so that we could be standing in line and get the one size 13 pair that they had in that store. And yes, we got them. And as I'm putting them in my bag to bring them back to, at that time we lived in um, Alabama, I'm thinking, was this really worth it? Was this really worth it? I mean, you know, I'm kind of having some moments of wisdom here as a young 20-something-year-old to think that on this trip where you've taken your wife, you've gotten her up extra early to go pursue basketball shoes, and you'll never play basketball maybe ever in your life. Is it worth it? I don't think about that. Yeah, of course it was. Just go on. It was that they, they, they mattered to me. I was willing to sacrifice. Today, I don't know that I'd be willing to suffer to drive across the street to get a pair of those basketball shoes. My point being that they, 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 they really mattered then. They, they, at least to me, they don't matter that much anymore. We are willing to suffer for what matters to us. The greater the value, the greater the willingness to suffer. Paul says that you have been granted to believe in Christ and to suffer for him. The only way that that you're going to be obedient to this mission The only way you're going to be willing to suffer, obedient to that suffering, is if Christ matters to you. If you love Jesus. Not just that you want to win arguments about Jesus, but that you love Jesus. So this morning, do you love Jesus? Are you growing in your love for Christ through your growth and your knowledge of Christ, in strengthening and helping others, in obedience to the mission that he's called us to be about as Eastwood Baptist Church and as Christians in general. Are you being faithful to that? This morning, if you don't know Christ and you are intrigued, your your heart is stirred as you hear this, I am more than willing to spend as much time as we need now, this afternoon, starting in just a few minutes, to talk to you about that. There are other pastors and and folks here in this church who would be more than willing to do that, would be willing to do it at your convenience. But we would hope that, that you would desire to respond to this Christ. To those who are part of this church family, do you love Christ? Are are you committed to that mission? Are you living in that mission? Maybe you need to ask the Lord for redirection, for help, for forgiveness, for motivation and correction to be about that mission. Maybe you've been trying to live it alone and you need to come and become a part of a church family. We we would love to talk to you about that. This morning I pray that you have and that you will respond to God as he works in your heart through his word by the power of his spirit. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. Lord, we thank you that we love you because you loved us first.
you pursued us when we were rebels against you, God. You came after us and you forgave us and you called us back to your side. And so we pray that that you would help us even now, Lord, to respond to you accordingly, that, that we would be about your mission. Lord, that we would be growing in our faith, that we would be willing to engage our friends and family members with this message that is so important. And Lord, we would be even willing to suffer for doing that because it's so valuable to us. Help us in that, Lord. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together as we sing.